super afraid that one day I'm going to record a whole podcast, just have a whole talk with somebody and forget to record it and have to call them back. Like, bro, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be a nightmare. Dude, no doubt. I like the 247 hat too, by the way. Look at you. Right, you got to represent, man. Going all That's out. Right. Can't be the face without repping their gear, man. Dude, exactly. Exactly. So what's up tonight, man? This is pretty late to be jumping on a podcast. This is pretty typical for you to be buzzing around at 8.15? Uh, yeah, I generally train at this time. I think it's good to train around the time you fight, but um, just kind of have an off night. We, Me and Gavin around Pittsburgh this morning training with Danilo, so putting in a good one today. He kind of smoked us. Um, and I just come back and looking for my passport all day, actually. So. Nice. What the, how far is Berlin from Bridgeville? What's that drive like for you? Um, it all depends if you get traffic going into the city around five, it's probably like an hour and 45. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was a pretty damn long drive, dude. That's a, I mean, that just kind of shows your dedication to it though. Right. <laughs> I mean, you gotta be willing to yeah. put in some road miles. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we're doing what we can at the shop, and, and it's a training asset for us. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to find guys that are world-class if you want to be world-class, and Danilo's the guy. So if that's what it means to to get there, you know, he's the guy that's going to take us there. So we got to get in the car and, and drive, unfortunately. Absolutely. He kind of he kind of came out of nowhere, dude. I thought it was pretty cool from my perspective as well. It was just like one day – Danilo Villafort had a gym in Pittsburgh and it was like, like that Danilo Villafort, like the guy that I know, like it was just so random that he suddenly had a gym in Pittsburgh. I thought, did you, uh, did you get linked up with him right away or how did you find out about him and what kind of compelled you to go there? Actually, my, my buddy, uh, Dalton Ross told me, he said, um, that they had a really good, uh, Muay Thai program and MMA striking and, I, I listened to a lot of stuff that he says. So I went in, I wanted to check it out. And then, you know, I watched one class to know was teaching in the gi and, and that was it. Um, from there, I listened to everything that dude says. Um, he's a real deal. He's, I mean, I, I it's all, it's awesome to have a guy like that. Pittsburgh. We've never had that, you know, I can't say enough about it. So. Yeah. He commands a certain level of respect just being around him. Like I was just at India the other day meeting with him and just, being around him in that atmosphere, it's like you, he has your full attention, man. It's kind of like what you said. You have to listen to what that guy has to say, given his credentials, given everything he's done. How cool is that for you, man, on fight night? You know, you're only two fights into your amateur career, but having a guy like that in your corner, in between rounds, talking to you, what's it like when you, when you get off your stool and it's just that guy talking to you? Um, I would just believe what he says. You know, I think that's probably the biggest thing I know going into it that, if he's, if he's happy with my training and I'm happy with my training, all I got to do is go out there and the hard work's over. I just got to perform and, and listen to what he says. So it's kind of like a machine out there. He's, it, it's a level of confidence that I, I can't explain. You know, I, I, I think I'm a very confident guy in the first place, but, you know, having him behind me and kind of everything he's done, I know that I'm doing the right stuff. So. Yeah, I know, you know you did destined destined for uh, for great things with him behind you. So. Sure, it certainly seems that way. And obviously, you know, I don't I don't know you super well or anything. I haven't grown up with you, nothing of the sort in, in that regard. But I feel like I do have a pretty good sense for how you conduct yourself as a fighter and a, a, as an athlete in general. And you did say something there in that you're very confident, which obviously that that's pretty easy to pick up on. But one thing I want to touch on with you is your humility as well. Like you've said repeatedly, I just need to listen to Danilo. Just need to listen to what he says, do what he says. Where does that ability come from to understand that, you know, he knows more than you and he's going to send you in the right direction rather than being arrogant and think, oh, I got it figured out. I, I know how to fight, you know? Um there's some there's some bad dudes out there you know what i mean I, I like i said i'm confident i know that i'm gonna be able to beat anybody that steps in front of me but at the end of the day i also realize that there's some tough guys out there and you have to understand that so i think that's the biggest thing that's why i listen to them it's it's scary thinking you know man if i don't do this this guy knows more than me i, I could get hurt doing this stuff you know it, it's not a game in there it's real and especially once um, 
you know, pro rolls kick in and, and you can elbow and kick in the face and, and knee in the face. And, you know, you watch his highlight and it would be hard not to listen to a guy like that. It really would. So. Yeah. I mean, he clearly knows what he's doing, man, but it, it's like you said, everything can just change in a flash inside the cage. What, what have you found with MMA? You know, when did the MMA seed kind of plant with you? You know, you have this pretty distinguished wrestling background, but when did really the full MMA focus kind of come into view for you? I, I knew that's what I wanted to do from a young age, uh, younger than I can remember, honestly. It's something I've always wanted to do. I, I probably, probably around 15 is when I started like really trying to seek out training. Uh, but I can remember begging my parents to box at four and five years old. Uh, they just didn't want me to get hit in the head that young. So they put me in wrestling. Um, and, you know, the great thing about Pennsylvania wrestling is, where I was at, where I am now, you know, there's no high level boxing. I mean, there's guys that do it, but there isn't guys that are doing it at the level that I would want to be doing it at. You know, I would want to be on, you know, eventually on Showtime Boxing and, you know, on, on the big on the big networks. And I think that Pennsylvania wrestling allows you to jump levels and allows you to see world class, you know, world class atmosphere as an athlete. And it obviously took me to, you know, a Division One career. Um, and that's I think another thing that relates to to Danilo and why I can understand what he's saying because um, usually when you have two high level guys working together, they can, they can understand where each other they're coming from. Absolutely. I think your, uh, your household growing up had to be a trip dude with you, Tanner, Toby. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's what, what were some of those? You got to give me the inside scoop on some of those brotherly scraps because I know they had <laughs> to happen. And <laughs> oh, it's like, plus just the way my dad raised us, how my parents were, it was like, uh, every day, every single day, there's a hole in every single wall of our house. We can't keep anything nice. We can't keep anything nice growing up. Uh, it got to a point though that I think, like, as we go to work, it's like, man, we didn't want to deal with that shit anymore. It was like, enough's enough. Like, we can just save ourselves the aggravation and just, you know, disagree on this one. But they were fighting all the time. Yeah, it's funny, man. I remember talking to Cody Garbrandt before he was in the UFC, and he he would always talk about fighting with his brother Zach in the house, and how you know Zach was some of the hardest fights of his life. And then you hear the same thing with like John Jones and his two brothers, who were both animal NFL players, and some of the fights that they would have growing up. I mean, in a weird way, as goofy as it sounds, like oh, it's just fun, you know, fighting with your brothers. But in a weird way, does that actually prepare you for combat? Like that had to help, right? I think it just, I think it helps, but I mean, I don't know if like in, in a skill-based scenario, it helps. I think it, it allows you to, to think as a fighter, uh, to carry yourself, you know, with a certain level of, of confidence and to have a chip on your shoulder. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. The guys that fight a lot, um, whether it's, it's in the cage or whether they're, you know, guys with like an extensive street fighting background, they have a chip on their shoulder and they're, they're not afraid to get hurt. You know, they're willing to, they're willing to roll the dice and, that's what you see with a lot of guys like that. It's not, you, you see some athletes, you know, they're straight grapplers and you can tell them from a guy that's, you know, that is a jujitsu fighter. You can tell a wrestler from a guy that's a wrestler that's a fighter, you know, there's two different personalities. And I think that it, it comes back to the way you're raised and, you know, kind of, if you have a chip on your shoulder. I think that definitely makes sense, man. You mentioned kind of the way you were raised, mentioned your dad a few times already and we know about your military background as well. So one thing I wanted to ask for sure was, was your dad in the military? Like where did the military seed come from? Because it seems like your whole family is pretty heavily invested in that. Um, I, I was always like uh, pretty obsessed with doing things uh, that, that were great, at least in my own eyes, things that I thought um, were worthy of my time. And for the longest time I wanted to, you know, try to be in 75th Range Regiment or possibly be in one of the Special Forces groups. Um, so I always had that fascination in the back of my head, you know, that I love the military. As I got older, it started to change a little bit because my love for wrestling and, and martial arts. So I, I kind of didn't pursue it as heavily as I would have. Um, but I, I still serve in the PA National Guard and uh, I went through the ROTC program so I could, I could wrestle in college. So I think that I just set myself up for success in, in anything I did. Um, and then I, I made the decision when the time came, but I think that in the back of my head the whole time, I knew that um, I was going to make this decision. So my dad, he didn't have a military background at all. He just a city city guy that, you know, he 
comes from nothing and fought for everything his whole life and still fights for, for everything he has. So he's kind of made me and my brothers, you know, the way we are. And that's why we carry ourselves the way we do. And that's why we don't fear anybody. Yeah. I think you mentioned your mom and dad is like the major influences on your life in that featured fighter thing we did on, on the 247 app. So it's really cool to see that, man. What do they think of your MMA, the fighting career? Because I know just for myself, like, I don't think my mom would be able to watch me fight. I think she would have to, you know, leave whenever it was my turn to fight. How do they handle you getting in that cage? Uh, I don't know. My mom's nervous. You know, she's a mom. My girlfriend's <laughs> nervous. Um, I think my dad, deep down, he likes it. You know, he'll, he'll say whatever. You know, he says whatever he wants about it. But, you know, I, I can see the satisfaction in his eyes. Um, you know, when I'm out there doing it or my brothers are doing it. Uh, honestly, though, like like I said, and it sounds crazy because you hear some guys say it, and it's clearly not true. But we fought a lot. I mean, we fought anytime that a situation arose that we felt that we had to, you know, finish it with, with violence, we did. Um, so it's kind of not something my family gets nervous with. How I was, I watched my my dad get in arguments and fights when I was four or five years old, and it just just how it is, man. That's interesting, man. I guess that kind of carries over into what we were talking about before with you and Tanner and Toby, just the Cahill family scraps, because that was something that I definitely noticed in Tanner and his debut in Johnstown was that I expected kind of like a pure wrestling, you know, amateur debut, and all I knew was that he had a pretty strong wrestling background. I kind of expected him to just rely heavily on that. But there were some situations where his opponent was throwing heat. And instead of just diving for the takedown, man, Tanner was more than happy to just throw heat right back and kind of get in a bit of a firefight. So right then I knew I was like, okay, these Cahill boys aren't just kind of the, you know, the lay and pray wrestlers at all. Like there's, there's dog in there for sure. When, when was kind of the first time that you noticed you had that in you? Because a lot of kids, man, get in their first fight and realize quickly it's not for them. Like, when did you realize that this is for me and it actually kind of excites me? Man, I was uh, probably five. I was five years old and uh, it was a kid that, you know, he kind of bullied a lot of guys. And one day at practice, man, he pissed me off. He took my dodgeball and uh, I, I punched him square in the nose. Nice. And I knocked him square on his ass, and it felt good. So, <laughs> you know, I can remember my dad. My dad saying, "Hey, man, you know, you're not, you're not gonna fix it unless you unless you hit him." You know, so I can't. I, probably five years old. We shouldn't have taken your dodgeball, right? I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just we're having a, a friendly game at That's the end of wrestling practice. I don't want to fight. No, but listen, you take somebody's dodgeball, you gotta expect to get punched in the face. These are the rules. Yeah. <laughs> These are the rules, especially in a wrestling room, in the Colorado Township wrestling room. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I grew up a little uh, – I'm terrible with directions, but I grew up in Fulton County, so like South Central PA, McConnellsburg, kind of near Breezewood. So, yeah, yeah. like, I know that McConnellsburg played Connemaw once in a while in soccer, but I don't think we really played you guys in anything else. But the, the areas, the, the demographics are pretty similar, I think. So I can relate for sure right. with that, with that kind of – south central pa attitude no doubt yeah yeah blue collar mentality exactly exactly right so now for you man like your confidence like you've said repeatedly is off the charts i love hearing you know where you think you're headed where your goals are set like in that featured fighter i know you said you wanted to be an lfa champion and a ufc champion so it's hard to go much higher than that you know how do you manifest that goal on a day-to-day -day basis because i think a lot of people get way too caught up in the end game. Like they get way too caught up in the UFC champion and miss all the little steps in between. But it seems like you've got that figured out. You've got your routine figured out to where you're grinding daily. Like you just said, you're usually training around this time, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. at night. And you're making these crazy drives to Bridgeville, things like that. How are you maintaining this daily grind, which it is right now for an amateur fighter? You know, you're not getting paid. This is 100% for the love of the sport, for your development, for the future right now, for you and your career. When you want to be a UFC champion and that's the goal, how hard is it to not get frustrated that you're not, you know, close right now? I just, I, I like it, man. I, I love what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I, it's hard. You know, you got to put things in perspective, man. Everybody's at a different, at a different point, um, you know, in their journey. And, you know, sometimes it's frustrating seeing guys that you're, 
you feel you're better than that are, you know, making waves in the sport, but it's just, it's something you have to sit back and you have to realize, you know, where I'm headed, you know, where am I headed? What's the end goal? And then you just take it day by day. And that's the thing that, that American wrestling teaches better than anything else is a discipline. And it's, you know, you're focused on the task at hand. Next thing, you know what I mean? Next point, next point, next point, next point. And eventually, you know, it all adds up. So I don't get too concerned. I mean, there's certain things you stress about, but at the end of the day, I like training more than anything and I don't feel complete without it. So it's not really that. I think the hardest part is, um, you know, just making everything work, you know, with um, everything business related work, you know, like with the shop and um, trying to fit in time to work. But right now I've kind of weathered that storm. I'm at the point where I'm going to be able to, you know, train full time. So that's excellent. That's excellent to hear, man. What is kind of your, what is your daily work look like? Because you and Tanner do own the shop, which is crazy in its own right. You know, two amateur MMA fighters owning, operating, running their own gym. It's pretty sweet. So how, how did that come to be? And how, how have you found the business side of running a gym? Um, my, my dad's, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty savvy when it comes to that. He is a construction business. Um, and you know, he's seen the highs and lows of business. So he understands, you know, what to do and how to do it. Uh, on, you know, the, the, the shop was more of a, you know, a place that we created for ourselves to train and oh, man, I'm trying to think two years, it's been two years. So, you know, the progress we've made in two years, when you sit back and you look at, you know, it's kind of incredible for me, but we, we created it just to train, um, additionally a supplement to Danilo's and eventually we just started getting more kids, you know, kids were finding out that we had a place and we had a mat and then they wanted to come in and roll and rolling guys in the area that, you know, they didn't have a place to go for, uh, for any martial arts. They knew we were involved in it. And then more people came and then, you know, Nathan Witt showed up on our door. He was the first degree black belt in jujitsu. And, you know, it just kept growing and growing. And we're like, Holy shit, you know, last March, we got to, you know, we got to expand because we got a legitimate thing here. Um, so we just, we drove to Harrisburg. We got, we got some, some brand new mats and we threw them down in a, in a rental building. And, you know, it's, I think the sky's the limit, you know, no, especially with the guys we have in here helping these kids, you know? Yeah. That's freaking awesome. And you mentioned kind of Nathan showing up, get that black belt in there obviously brings credibility, but also the teaching for the students is, is massive. I mean, was there any hesitation in even making that decision or did he just show up and you're like, all right, this is our guy, you know, we're, we're going to trust you. Let take it away. Uh, I think the thing that sticks out with Nate is, you know, he's obviously a very, very knowledgeable guy when it comes to uh, jujitsu. And I think that he always respected the fact that, that we trained with Danilo, right? We trained with Danilo before he came into the picture. Um, and it, it's never personal, but I think that the thing that stood out the most to me and Tanner was, you know, the car ride home, you, you're having that conversation. You're like, man, like, you know, Nate's genuinely a good dude. He, he genuinely gives a shit if we, if we win or lose. And there's not a lot of people out there like that. And when you, when you realize that you you can sense the aura on a person, um, you know, it makes you respect them a whole hell of a lot more. So I don't think there was really any hesitation. He supports everything. He supports everything that Danilo tells us to do. It's awesome. It seems like you guys have a good thing going in that regard, you know, kind of just trusting Danilo to, lay down the path and now you guys just walk it and walk it fearlessly and make sure that you follow his steps. I mean, what, when you have these talks with Danilo and obviously I'm not going to ask you to reveal any secrets or intimate discussions you've had with Danilo, anything of that nature, but what, what do you get from his kind of philosophies or his teaching style? Like what's the core of the way he teaches? How does he kind of communicate to you that is so effective? Uh, fight intelligent. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he trained under Murillo Bustamante. That's who he uh, is promoted under in jiu-jitsu. And I think that was the, a guy that, you know, was a major influence in his life. But Murillo would, he always says, you know, he would, he would come out of a fight without a scratch on him. You know, you don't get paid more to get hit in the face. You get paid the same. So he's always just, he's preaching, you know, fight, fight intelligent and, you know, do what you have to do in the early 
part of your career. And then, you know, when it's, when it's time to perform on the big stage, you perform on the big stage and you show things that, that people don't think you can do. You know, you, you make them think you're one style of fighter and then, then you hit them with something else that they never expect. And the next thing you know, you're, you're a highlight real fighter. Mm-hmm. I always think it's really interesting debuting amateurs, how hard they find some of their first fights to be. Like even a guy like you with a strong wrestling background, you know, you go to decision in your first one. We look at, you could take like Evan DeLong from Johnstown, another strong wrestling background. You kind of figure he's going to have a huge leg up over his opponent, but that's just not the case. Like the level of competition in MMA, especially amateur MMA has gone up tremendously, man. Like what are you finding with your opponents in there? Are you finding that maybe it's a little more difficult than you were expecting, or is this exactly what you've been prepared for? Um. You know, contrary to belief, um, I think that for a guy like me or a guy like Evan DeLong, a guy like Tanner, uh, a guy like Gavin, um, it's harder to fight those first three amateur fights because, especially in the state of Pennsylvania, because you have shin pads on, you can't ground and pound, you can't, you know, you can't fight them. You know, it's a boxing wrestling match. It's not a fight. You're in a cage and yeah, there's a lot of anxiety because, you know, there's a crowd and and you're still getting punched at, but at the end of the day, like I, I wouldn't consider it a fight. And I think that in my first two fights, if they were real sanctioned ballots, they would have been done within 45 seconds. Um, and, and people, you could speculate, but I mean, that's just, that's a cool or truth. I mean, I get a takedown within five seconds of a fight and, you know, and you're inside control with, with an arm pinned down. I mean, I don't know if there's much that guy is going to be able to do if I drop three elbows on him. So I think that it's harder. But I think it allows you to develop a full game. I think most guys don't develop their jujitsu the way that I have. Um, they don't spend the, the amount of time that I've spent in the gi. So um, I'm excited for the future and, and to really showcase my abilities. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You've mentioned Gavin a few times. So just for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the name right off the bat, he's talking about Gavin Teasdale is a four-time state champion in the state of Pennsylvania wrestling freaking one literally one of the best wrestlers that pennsylvania has ever produced and that's saying something with a state like pennsylvania and the wrestlers they've produced so gavin is training now he's preparing for his own mma debut which uh we cannot break any news on that front yet but the fact that we're talking about it should probably tell you something um maybe gavin is debuting under the 247 fc banner i don't know allegedly but Gavin, man, I want to I want to ask you about how he's coming along, because I've been interested in Gavin for a long time. As you know, like Dustin Conti is my cousin. Dustin and Gavin wrestled together their whole lives. So I've known about Gavin for a long time. The fact that he is now fighting is just so cool to me. Like this seems like the natural evolution in his career. How's he looked, man? And as we talk about kind of the struggles of transitioning, how's he finding the adaptation to MMA? I think it's going good, man. I don't want to give any secrets away, but uh, I would expect fireworks if I were a fan. I know that uh, there's a lot of conversations we have, you know, on the car ride back, um, you know, back home, just talking about the future and, you know, how things are going to shake out. But, you know, we're expecting big things, probably just magnify the wrestling career, you know, we world championships, you know, that's what, that's what you're after. So I would, it's going to be fireworks. You know, he's, he's Danilo's guy. Danilo loves Gavin. He loves the intensity that he brings. And he, that was one of the biggest, biggest things. I think like we always talk and I always say, you know, having a guy like him at Danilo's people actually, they're not going to, they're not going to know what to expect. I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to have an answer for it. I mean, I think that that's the only guy in Pittsburgh that can handle it from a coaching aspect. And, and that's no disrespect. That just, how it is and it's going to be dangerous yeah man we're obviously super excited to watch him fight wherever it may be you know i'm not saying he does or does not have a 247 fight lined up but i'm just saying wherever he fights i'm watching gavin teasdale fight because that's for sure a career that i'm personally interested in this this is the kind of guy this is the kind of pedigree that you hope gets into mma as an mma fan as an mma promoter these are the guys that you want to see transition guys like you too you know all these college wrestlers and then you with the way that you have become obsessed with grappling in general and BJJ, you know, you're constantly entering BJJ tournaments as well. You know, these are the guys that we want to see inside the cage for sure. So 
it's awesome that, that you guys are here and that not only that, but you're working together and helping propel yourself towards those goals. I think uh, our minds, they think a lot, a lot alike, you know, a lot alike. It, it's, it's kind of weird sometimes, but he's a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder. And there's a lot of, you know, high level wrestlers. And when I say high level, like, you know, four time state champion is, it's almost unheard of, especially in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, but it's not even that. I think that's special about him. I think it's a, the personality that he carries and the way he conducts his business. You know, there's a lot of guys that at the highest level of wrestling, you know, that are, that are making these big 10 lineups that are, you know, top in the country. And they're just, they're not fighters. You can see right through them and they're not scary guys, but you know, Gavin's a guy that brings a, a certain level of intensity. Like you said about Danilo into a room that there's an aura that you have to respect, even if you don't, you know, you don't know his background. And uh, I think that says enough about him. Nice. Well, I'm hyped, man. I mean, I was already hyped, but now hearing you say this got me, got me extra hype. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool that Danilo is excited about it too, because I know like, that's not, you wouldn't take that lightly. You know, I know Danilo feels similarly about you. And I know from what I've talked about with Danilo, I had to ask him how Dustin was doing. And he said a lot of the same things there. So it's not like Danilo just passes around praise though lightly you know i've heard him be extremely difficult on his students as well as needed so i know that he's a guy who's going to give it to you straight give you the truth because that's what helps you grow right like you need to know if you're not competing at that highest level that you can yeah yeah i mean i think that's what makes him special man like you gotta think it's 2021 and uh in 2003 i think is when he got his black belt. So how many years is that? You know, yeah. 2003, he's, he's in Japan, you know, helping corner Marilla Bustamante fight um, Dan Henderson you know, in, in pride. So, I mean, the level of knowledge, the pedigree he brings is, is actually ridiculous. And if you're a guy like him, you know, what do you think if a 22-year-old kid like, like Gavin Teasdale shows up at your gym, you know, mm -hmm. with the knowledge that you have? Of course, you're going to be excited. You'd be an idiot not to. I mean, especially, you know, a lot of the amateur MMA scenes, it, it, it's a fun atmosphere, but you don't really have a guy like that walking around. I mean, they just don't, they're, they're not a dime a dozen. Most of these fighters, you know, they're a dime a dozen. So it's exciting because you get to see the collaboration of an extremely, extremely high level wrestler with the guy that has been around the MMA and the jujitsu scene since he was born. Yeah, you know, that comes from a legendary family. So truly exciting. It's insane, man. That, that guy's like royalty. I didn't even know this. I was actually reading his Wikipedia and I saw he's Minotaro Noguera's godson as well. I'm like, just how this is all just too cool. Like the fact that this guy's yeah, in cool. Pittsburgh is truly a blessing. Yeah, it's cool. I think I was like one of the first things that, uh, that he asked me because I do my research on people. I know I know what I'm getting into before I before I have conversations with them, but uh first thing he asked me was, you know, what was my goals and why did I come to the Indian Dojo? And I just said, you know, I want to be a world champ and uh, you're world-class. You're going to get me there. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't deny it. When you look up that Wikipedia and you see, you know, the, the fact that, you know, not only is his, you know, godfather uh, Noguera, but his dad is a ninth, ninth degree red belt. Um, and the fact that he's fought in the PFL, the IFL, the WEC, Strike Force, you know, headlining shows for Strike Force. Going to fight Carlos Condit for a WC title before they disband. You know, he fought under the UFC. I mean, he's been at every single major organization there is. Yeah, one one thing I definitely want to talk to Danilo about sometime too is his UFC career, if you want to call it that, because he had one fight in the UFC and it was weird because he lost, but it was a cut. You know, it was a weird fight. It's weird to me to see somebody be one and done in the UFC like that. So I've always wanted to know what went into that. And his, his career in general is like that, where you look at his losses and they're like good losses. You know, I don't know. I can look at somebody's resume and if you're getting knocked out five times in a row, of course, that those are pretty bad losses. But when you're losing a decision here and there, a close split decision here and there, it's like, oh, man, there's, there's really no shame in that in a sport like this that can be that crazy. And that's kind of how his resume looks. You know, he's – He's a few close decisions away from being an even more legendary figure, I think. And it was just like a few very, very close bad breaks in his career that have kept him from being that kind of really mainstream name in MMA. I think that um, he was at the stage where it was at its breaking point where 
it really was about to make that push and grow into the MMA we know today. Um, but that's a question for him. But when you look into the, you know, the details and, and the way that he describes it, I mean, it seems as if there's a backstory to it. You know, it's a behind scenes thing, you know, something that, that a lot of fans don't get to see, you know, but there's a, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things in, in MMA that uh, they're not always about who's the best fighter. Mm-hmm. Just leave it at that, you know, but that's definitely a question for him. You have to get him on. Yeah. Well, that's definitely the plan. You know, we'll, we'll get his star pupil first Taylor, and then we'll get him. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, dude. So we, we, you know, we touched on Tanner. What's Toby doing? I had, I got to ask about Toby. I got to know if Toby's like a future two, four, seven FC fighter as well. What's his deal? I think Toby's the future heavyweight champion of the world. Nice. See, that's what, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> I see these heavyweights now, and they can't handle him. <laughs> they can't handle him. They're in, they're in trouble when he comes in. Does he want to fight? So, like, is he yeah. interested? Yeah, he likes it. I, I think he really wants to be a pro bass fisherman. He likes to fish. But I, I keep telling him, hey, man, like, build your brand in MMA. Like, there's nobody who's going to beat him in a fight. So dude that's awesome you he needs to talk to adam milstead has he has he ever linked up with adam milstead you know adam i i I know of him i don't know him personally i never got the opportunity to train with him like i have some of the other guys in pittsburgh but i know that i've showed toby milstead before because he's 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 doing a lot of that right now a lot of pro bass fishing yeah dude he's a pro fisherman as well that's why so he's a you know former ufc heavyweight light heavyweight who's also a pro fisherman that's that's no brainer toby's got to get hooked up with him i think he works construction too he did he worked on a gas pipeline for a very long time yeah so yeah a lot of similarities there it's meant to be man we got to hook toby toby and adam got to get together (laughs) adam can have his little uh his little like what's what's that called like his little jedi i i never saw star wars so i really struggled with that yeah, analogy yeah. i'm like what I do they say what do they call it oh that's yeah. good see you're like the one other guy on earth that hasn't seen it i'm proud yeah. <laughs> but dude i do gotta ask you about your uh your movie preferences because i gotta say i did not expect a knight's tale to pop up as the most inspirational movie scene on anybody's feature story so when you said that i was like okay this is a it's a man of class <laughs> yeah uh, that scene is uh is, is triumphant, you know, a guy that against all odds, you know, nobody nobody thinks he's gonna be able to ever do it, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and then you know that scene where he's getting uh, introduced in, in front of his home crowd and it, and his father's there and he's now considered royalty, you know, that's special to me. I mean, it's either that movie or uh, Vision Quest. You know, Vision Quest is is an all time favorite. That's you know, a classic. I'm on a vision quest right now. I have been since I've, since I was a kid. So that's awesome. Vision quest is an absolute classic. I don't, you know, wrestlers obviously know it, but I think the mainstream audience needs to get in on vision quest. They need to understand how good that movie is. Yeah. Just but, that. Yeah. I don't know. It's like that. eye of the tiger. You know what I mean? It's just that hunger. Yeah. You, know, you want it You want it so bad. So no, nah, man, it's fantastic. One thing though, that you definitely got wrong on that featured fighter questionnaire that I, I had to bring up with you because this is just egregious Taylor over <laughs> and un, over under toilet paper. And you go under that, that blows my mind. I didn't know if I really understood that question. That's why I picked on, <laughs> you know, like, okay, you got to roll a toilet paper. Like you either pull it like from the top, like it's folded over. Or it's coming from underneath, like under, like you either pull yeah. it under or over. You're still an under guy because <sighs> I, mean, I, think I'm, I think I'm an over guy nice see you've definitely redeemed yourself but i didn't understand the question okay but see ryan in full disclosure ryan our owner made that question and i'm pretty sure he's an under guy i'm pretty sure he's an under guy too yeah so (laughs) he get all excited he probably did he's like finally somebody else understands me but no (laughs) turns out ryan's still just weird spoiler alert (laughs) definitely that's that's hilarious man but no it, i like those kind of questions dude they're they're funny ju- just to hear people talk about that kind of stuff and yeah. the, over, the toilet paper over under is definitely a hilarious point of contention you also totally agreed with me on this one that is is a hot dog a sandwich and i mean i mean it, I, yeah, I 
I don't know, but I'd say yeah. I mean, it's me. Is a hoagie a sandwich? It's yeah. meat between both. Yeah. Of course, a hot dog is a hoagie. It's just the meat is a hot dog. I don't, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> it just like uh, from the intestines of the the cow or the pig or whatever you know the shit you don't want. Yeah, we don't really talk about what it is. We don't talk about it. It doesn't matter. It, it's delicious. It's a hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. Hot hot dog or hamburger at the Fourth of July Cahill party? Are you going hot dog or hamburger? Mm. Both both is obviously the correct answer, but I'm not going to let you have that. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll probably probably icy light. <laughs> nice. There you go. There you go. Drink your cow. No, I say hamburger, man. Mm-hmm. What's the ultimate? Fat ultimate burger toppings like build your ultimate burger oh we gotta throw onion rings on there and uh barbecue sauce like nice. what, what was that whiskey whiskey bacon whiskey bacon burger there you go yeah. see I, I knew you were a man of class that's like the ultimate burger <laughs> when you get just onion rings barbecue sauce some cheese that's that's an amazing burger right there oh yeah i love it well dude farm fed man farm fed like the Cahill boys, I assume, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's awesome to watch you guys on this run, man. I think you guys definitely have a big fan base. And and like I said, from where we're from, you can tell you guys embody a lot of those values. And I feel like a lot of those values are getting lost nowadays. So when like families like you come through and just embody them in, in a way that's extremely positive and through athletics and everything you guys do, conduct yourselves, like you said, you're very confident, but as, as I mentioned, you guys are also super humble. You guys conduct yourselves very well, very professionally. You know, there's never any issues. And as anybody who works in, in regional MMA will tell you, there's, there's plenty of guys out there who will flake and not and, do and girls. Yeah. Yeah. And girls. Guys and girls who won't do things the right <laughs> ways, you know, won't, won't let them off the hook, but we like the way you guys conduct yourselves, you know, in full disclosure. So I'm glad you're fighting for us, man. I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. I'm going to let you make a prediction, though, to, to close out the podcast. You know, how's the next fight going? Because you've got decision in your debut. You've got a late submission in your second fight, which we didn't really talk about, but you kind of just completely controlled old Brandon Harrington with your wrestling in that fight. It was, it was a pretty dominant effort. Although I will say, you know, if, if he's listening, I was impressed with his stand-up for the 10 seconds we were able to see it. It seemed like he... Yeah, he can- at me right off the bat yeah it seemed like he had some hands i'll say i, I was pretty impressed it, yeah but. i i didn't really see i didn't really see him um i don't i don't think he hit me i think i just i stuck that jab out there and then you know i sucked him into a double but i wasn't expecting that you know that's yeah. for certain yeah he, he came he, at me Conor mcgregor style hands down he did <laughs> he did he was he was yeah. taunting a little bit yeah he was yeah, he, he, was, was, he wanted to, he wanted to smoke man <laughs> Well, you obliged, and, and as we said, you know, got the third round submission. So you've got decision, late submission. What's coming for Taylor Cahill's third fight? Oh man, I'm salty about that first one. I've rewatched that so many times I can't even count. Um, so many submission attempts I didn't sit on. I was just so anxious, I guess. You know, what I mean, just trying to finish so bad. Um, so it's good I grow from that, but. I don't know. It's hard to make a prediction, man. Three two-minute rounds, one-minute break in between. I'm a guy that uh, I like to break people. I like to feel the their soul come out of them. And, you know, you really got to set a high pace to do that in six minutes. Uh, it's possible. I did it last fight. I want to finish submission. I want to fight every single fight by submission. Um, I think that knockouts are cool, but I, I think they leave a lot of speculation, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a, I think it's at the root of it, you know, unless it's a clear like outclassing strike and you see somebody like Conor McGregor out there, you know, just piecing up Donald Cerrone, you know, that's different. But for the most part, I think some knockouts, you know, they're just, there's speculation. It could be locked, some people say. And I don't like that. I don't like that conversation because that's something as, as a fighter you have to deal with. You got to deal with everybody's opinions, even though you don't let it affect you. You know, it's still what they're thinking. Um, so that's what you have to do when you train. You have to approach it a different way. And I think that finishing every fight via submission shows dominance. And I I want to be dominant. I want to be a dominant fighter. I want people to fear fighting me. Nice. And 
if I could have it anyway, rear naked choke. Rear naked choke. And then when I can, and then when I can elbow, I want to go triangle choke from the bottom, Nate Diaz style, throwing elbows at the back of the head, finishing with a triangle. Nice. I, I like calling your shot in that regard, man. You made a really interesting point, though, that I definitely want to expand upon because you, you say how a knockout can be seen as lucky. And obviously, like, like you mentioned as well, there's levels to the striking game for sure where there's no doubt a fight ends by knockout, but there was no doubt about who the you know superior fighter is throughout. But I always thought it was interesting when, when you talk about knocking a guy out. I could go out on the street and ball my fist and hit somebody in the chin and knock them out. You know, anybody on earth can go out there and do that. We see it all the time in these random fights and stands and whatnot that gets, you know, these viral videos of people just getting knocked out in the street. Like most adult human males have the power to ball a fist and knock somebody out. But like, you're not going to go out in the street and land a Kimura on somebody. Like, unless you know how to do that, you can't just go out and do that. So I think there is something interesting, like you say, about submitting somebody versus knocking them out. There's, not only does it show, you know, a superiority, a dominance, but there's a level of skill involved in that that isn't necessarily involved in knocking somebody out. Now, like I said, it can be, of course, but not all, not every time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just something I, I think is special when a guy, two guys are fighting both the same size and, and one guy just absolutely controls another man, you know, a grown man, you know, he just controls them and and makes them feel helpless. I think that that's, that's special. Did you it have, shows, K- it shows the work that you put in. Right. Did you have Khabib as your lightweight goat in that list? Oh, I don't know. Um, now nah, I'm a McGregor fan. Oh man. Okay. I, I like McGregor. Uh, I like old McGregor, man. I, this new McGregor, like I still like him, but you can't be losing to Dustin Poirier, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> At that point, hang this shit up. Like, you don't lose to Dustin Poirier when you're Conor McGregor. It just, you know, it, I don't know. People might get mad about that, but he's they will. In my eyes, I, they I see him will. as like a, a brawler journeyman. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not a very he doesn't seem like a very skilled fighter to me. Uh, that's my opinion. But all the heat. I know. I, I like to be though, man. It. I just we need American wrestler to root for, man. Like there you go. You know, imagine being American so desperate for a wrestler that can fight that you root for a russian (laughs) that's he can't fight but that's the truth yeah i mean just when you were talking about enjoying you know just another man controlling a grown man like that's khabib through and through in my eyes he's probably the best that i've ever seen do that him and you know gsp in his prime who was a freaking canadian gymnast who decided he wanted to learn how to wrestle and suddenly could wrestle better than everybody in the ufc it's ridiculous i think that the biggest thing with him was like movement man he can move his whole body I think that's a it's an underrated thing. It's something that just in, in a short amount of time of, of being able to work really closely with Gavin, I could see it's just like his movement is incredible. You know, he, he can move everywhere. And, you know, he can his joints go ways that normal people's joints don't go. So it's it's hard to handle that. Part of that was strength and conditioning and you know the fact that GSP weaponized pace and I mean he's just about unbeatable. Plus you look at his corner, you know what I mean? He's got some of the best coaches in the game. No, no doubt about that. He he's he's always been, you know, at the forefront of technology and preparation, and he's he's basically a science experiment for yeah, yeah. for people who love MMA. Like, let's build the ultimate MMA fighter, and in many people's eyes, they did. So yeah, but American wrestlers are coming up in MMA, man. I gotta say, like right now, it's a little more exciting, I think, than it's ever been. There's a lot of guys on the horizon. Bo Nickel among them in MMA now. He's 2-0, I believe, as an amateur, just like you. So there you go. I mean, you've got guys just, like Bo Nickel out there. I don't know, man. I, I mean, he's going to do well. You know what I mean? He's an excellent wrestler. His wrestling is so good that it's, you're going to – I mean, you're going to need to find somebody extremely, extremely skilled to be able to handle that type of wrestling. I mean, he, he made people look like like babies, you know, guys in the NCAA final, you know, Division One and – but that kind of, that guy doesn't excite me, you know, because I don't see him as a fighter. I don't see him as I see him as a guy that you know he's doing it for for show almost, you know. Um, I I don't know his personal life though, you know what I mean? Like I know where I come from and the way that I grew up, and 
and the house I grew up in and, you know, didn't grow up in a big house in the suburbs, you know, we fought mm-hmm. for everything. And I think that's exciting. Even if you see a guy that is extremely skilled, like you said, you want to see a dog in there. You want to see somebody that, that's willing to die. And some wrestlers don't have that, man. You know, the ones that do. Yeah. You know? no, I, I know that's exactly why most of your chant, like that's why a lot of your champions come from the same place or, you know, a lot of the guys that are successful in MMA are from maybe like a small Pennsylvania state school. You know, you mm-hmm. see those guys, Frankie Edgar and Dennis Bermudez and Gregor Gillespie and Sean Bunch. I mean, the list, Josh Koscheck, the list goes on, but they're grittier dudes. Yeah. Who, who excites you currently? And you can either run it up mm. to Bellator or the UFC. Like what fighters do you just genuinely love to watch right now? And besides your buddy, you know, you could easily say Dalton Rasta, of course. He's he's doing great things. Cody Law is yeah, doing great yeah, things. I, I like watching I like watching Dalton and Cody. Um I know them on a on a personal level. I've known Cody since I was really young, you know, grew up in the same Mac club. He's from you know, 15, 20 minutes away from me. Um and, and I got to work with Dalton a lot. Uh, when I was at Clarion, we trained a lot. So I'm always watching those guys. I'm always putting my money on them. Um but as, as far as like a UFC standpoint, I would say I like Gilbert Burns. I like mm. Mar Usman. Um, I like Vicente Luque. And yes. I think that's just, you know, from, from Danilo, you know, a lot of the guys that are black, that were, you know, black zillions and now they're Sanford. I like watching them. They do a lot of the things that he, that he teaches. And that's exciting for me because you get to see that in, in real time and, you get to see how that can progress, you know, how that might progress, you know, if you stay committed to the, you know, to the script. Man, Gilbert Burns is so phenomenal and just one of the best guys in MMA too. He's been one of my favorite. When I was working for Flow Combat back in the day, we did a road trip down to, it was called Hard Knocks 365 at the time, but it was Sanford. Yeah. And Gilbert Burns was one of the best interviews ever. He actually rolled with the guy I was with Dwayne Finley, who was the editor, <laughs> challenged Gilbert to see how many times <laughs> to see how many times Gilbert could tap him out in I think a minute, I think just one minute. And Gilbert tapped him like six, seven, eight times. It was in that range, six, seven, or eight. It was just like as soon as he would release one submission, you know, he was in another one. It was one of the most ridiculous displays. And Gilbert was literally laughing the entire time, like completely not even trying. That dude is just on a different planet. Yeah. Uh, he definitely is. He just, he seems like he's just such a powerhouse. You know, I'd like to, to wrestle him. I'd like to see how he feels. You know, that's, that's one thing that always makes me really curious is like, you know, watching guys like him or a guy like Khabib and you're like, man, I just want to walk up with him. I want to see how they feel. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun because you just don't know. It's like one of those things that like, I have wrestled with some guys like, and I'll tell you this right now, Hunter Tremaine, if he ever comes back, I know you guys have heard horror stories about him, but if he makes a venture back, you know, that's a guy that, you know, this is public service announcement. Don't fight him. <laughs> anyway, I don't care how tough you think you are. Don't fight that dude. Right. Cause as soon as he lays his hands on you, you're going to, you've never felt a stronger man. And I don't know what the hell it is, but he is the strongest man I've ever put my hands on. And I just, I'm, I wonder if, if the guys like Khabib, like, have that type of that feel because when you watch them it just they make people look absolutely helpless so they, they have to i mean john jones is another guy that like i remember after chael sonnen fought him he said it, it felt like he was grappling a bear when they would tie up yeah. he's like i never felt anybody that strong and obviously jones out wrestled cormier you know every time they met <laughs> he would out wrestle daniel cormier the olympian so it's like what does and john jones's credentials are nothing compared to daniel cormier's in wrestling it's like what do these guys have that just makes him so special and i think early in john jones's run you could really see that like when he was on his rise up the ufc ranks man i'm sure you remember it it was every time just like you were just saying about tremaine like every time john jones would get his hands on somebody they went for a ride 100 of the time it was just different yeah i mean I'm a huge John Jones fan. I got a John Jones poster hanging over there, but nice. I so mean, am I. Four just playing devil, so am I, devil yeah. advocate. It could have been. It could have been the, you know, the the test and the trend. You know, but it could help. It might have I something mean, to do with it. 
Yeah. Was yeah. it Trent? Was it Trent or no? I forget what he popped yeah, for. It's there's yeah. been there's been a list at this point of things that have it was some anabolic. Yeah, I I don't yeah. know what's been in his system or hasn't been in his yeah. system at this point because everything. Yeah, yeah, it's all been so still, cloudy. Yeah, I mean, he's still amazing though. And I'm definitely of the camp of you know the nick diaz they're all on steroids I, i'm pretty sure yeah. some of the dudes john was fighting as well at that time were on steroids oh, too 100 <laughs> stefan bonner i like to mess around but yeah you know, john jones is he's one of my all-time favorites i mean especially the fact that he just whoops dc every single time you know that's there's nothing better than that yeah you know just i can't stand watching daniel cormier win man I'm surprised you don't like DC. See that really, that's crazy. The American wrestler, good family values, good man. You don't like DC. Nah, I think he's fake. (laughs) Nice. He doesn't, I don't think he's too real. He he doesn't seem real to me. Okay. I don't know. Hey, that's fair. I don't know DC on a personal level, so I can't speak to him. I don't either, but but I'm just, no, that's speculation, man. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I like to, uh, I like to think that other, like the way other people don't think, you know, a lot of people just, I think they, they really idolize them. And I just never saw anything special about them. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, like you Stipe. know, yeah, I like Steve. Like of course, everybody He's likes Steve. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was going to say, while we're like unleashing skeletons from the closet, I'll, I'll just say I was never a GSP fan at all. He, I, I really? never liked that guy and everybody, you know, idolizes. And he's just like I just said about DC seems like one of the best guys ever. I love listening to GSP on his podcast. Everything John Danaher ever has to say about GSP is amazing. Everything anybody has to say about GSP is amazing. But there's just there's something about him where it's just like what you were saying about DC. Like there's something dark about GSP that nobody's uncovered. I think he's a demons, man. <laughs> yeah, because you, you're not that good at fighting and you don't it's it's like to a level that's like cringy i love gsp i love the way he fights but i don't like the way he conducts himself because it's just like come on man like you know i i get like you know he wants to be the whole you know mixed martial artist not a fighter but it just i mean but maybe that's the way he sells himself and that's the way he makes money but i definitely think he has some demons because being as skilled as he is and as confident as he is in his abilities and the fact that he knows he's gonna win right and still to act over the top respectful not just respectful but like over the top like like he's a waiter at a ruby tuesday you know what i mean it just mm-hmm. i don't know i, I definitely yeah no i he's just robotic in that sense it's yeah. like I, I don't i don't get what you're doing here but it's like you said he he for sure if that is what it is and he's just trying to fully embrace martial arts values and things of that nature then I guess I'm just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I, I'm okay with that. I'm there. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with You're that. Right. <laughs> but I'm not going to take up too much more of your time, man. Like, like we said, good, you know, man. we're we're super excited to see you back in that cage, dude. You know, it's been a pleasure watching you work so far, and we're we're obviously excited for what's next. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. For sure, dude. We'll do it again soon. All right, sounds good. Right on.